1: Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor.
2: Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor. Uh, This is June 7th, 2016, a very beautiful day here in New York City. As I like to remind you each and every week, I am the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks and my company, Taylor Hard Money Advisors. Is in partnership with Chen Lin, who publishes. What is Chen buying? What is Chen selling? And I spoke to Chen a little bit earlier today. And there are three stocks in particular in the biotech space that Chen thinks are uh, very possibly nearing a major breakout. Those are Sirrupta Therapeutics, Sorrento Therapeutics, and Immunomedics. And uh, anyway, if you're interested in subscribing to Chen's letter, you can go to miningstocks.com. Miningstocks.com to sign up for his letter. You can also Sign up for Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks there as well. I want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Our sponsors for today's show are Avino Silver and Gold Mines, Aron Resources, Trimetals Mining, Brazil Resources, and Uranium Energy Corp. We have a very full schedule today, so in just a moment I will uh, talk a bit about today's show. But before we do, I want to pass along a couple of Michael Oliver's views on the markets that are of greatest importance to us. You know, the establishment propaganda machinery uh, wants you to believe that the Fed is in control of things, that these brilliant minds from Princeton, Harvard, and Yale are have everything under control and they're really looking out for you and they're really doing a very wonderful job of bringing us peace and prosperity and all of that. Of course, I believe exactly the opposite is the case. Gold, of course, is akin to a floodlight that flashes on when a burglar attempts to break and enter into a home illegally. When the gold price rises, it is evidence that confidence is being lost in the petrodollar system. And of course, gold has been rising dramatically dramatically from around $35 when Nixon took us off the gold standard and put us on the petrodollar standard until a high of around $1,900 in 2011. Well, from 2011 until this year, gold has been in a horrendous bear market. In fact, it's the worst bear market that I have seen since I've been in this business, writing newsletters and investing in junior mining stocks since the late 1970s. But now, as it is becoming obvious, the Fed can only talk about raising rates. They cannot raise rates. If they start to raise rates, all hell will break loose. So they're talking a lot about it. They want you to believe they can do it. But when push comes to shove and the time comes to raise rates, somehow they always push it back into a later date. They don't seem to be able to do it. And so it is most certainly the case that confidence is uh, in the Fed's omnipotence is starting to wane as the world is starting to realize the Fed, in fact, is lying, gold is picking up ground against the dollar, it seems clear to me. And that has been hugely positive for the gold shares that I write about in my newsletter. Just to give you an idea, the junior mining stocks, those that are exploring and not yet produ- producing, uh, were up nearly 200%. That's an average, 200% so far this year. Uh, most of the stock, in fact, all of the stocks, uh, on average, all of the categories were up triple digits so far this year, and our portfolio overall is up fifty eight percent compared to two point seven percent for the s and p five hundred so far this year. Well, is this over is this uh, should we start to take profits and get out of gold Well Michael oliver's work is telling us that this move in gold is only at the beginning, most likely uh, it is not a a quick head fake rather he believes this is the real McCoy not only. Is this a real move for gold? But Michael's work suggests that it is a turning point for commodities in general. In fact, uh, his weekend missive this week I thought was very, very interesting. He looked at the Bloomberg Commodities to the S and P 500 spread, and Michael really looks at momentum, and momentum is more important than price in terms of uh, in, ter- in terms of getting us uh, the direction of markets, and so what he's realizing is that it looks to Michael and his work as though we're heading now for uh, very possibly a a huge breakout in the whole commodity sector. And, And this could be, in my view, a start of an inflationary period that it really catches people by surprise. Along with that, his work is showing a much weaker dollar. The prospects for the dollar to get much weaker, it's very near that breaking point. Well, uh, looking at today's show, I've titled it as China Devalues Renimbi. Renimbi, The Bitcoin's price has skyrocketed higher. Uh, Amir Adnani will be with me in, in just a few minutes here, and Jeff Berwick is my main guest at a half past hour. Uh, Jeff is is talking about Bitcoin. He's one of the premier, uh, one of the, I would say, one of the earliest people into the Bitcoin Bitcoin uh, market. He understands it very well. He's he's not saying that's the only thing you should do. He thinks Bitcoin is is very risky, but he also will talk to us about uh, the attributes of Bitcoin and how it can be used. Uh, it, how it can be used as part of an overall portfolio. He really does prefer gold and silver to Bitcoin. Uh, Jeff is a very interesting fellow. He's uh, going to be traveling to visit up with the Bilderberg folks, or try to at least, um, in, in Germany. Uh, so you you want to hear what uh, Jeff has to say at half past the hour. And Amir Adnani is going to be with me. We are going to go to a break right now. But when he comes back, he's going to talk about Brazil resources. Well, it's a company... Uh, that really had the financial resources to take advantage of this decline in the gold markets to pick up some assets. In fact, they've dramatically increased the amount of ounces of gold, of gold-equivalent ounces in the ground, very impressively. Uh, And uh, yeah, the stock has run up a bit, but if you look at it from a historical perspective, uh, and if you believe that this gold market has much further to run, I believe we've only started to see the beginning for Brazil Resources and many other uh, junior gold mining stocks as well. We do have to go to a break, but don't go away. As soon as we come back, we'll have Amira Nanny with us.
0: Avino Silver and Gold Mines is a diversified, low-cost producer with operations in Mexico and Canada. Avino is growth-oriented and recently completed a major expansion at its Mexican operation, which doubled its silver equivalent output in 2015. Avino is partnered with Samsung c and is now an official metal supplier to one of the world's largest manufacturers of consumer electronics and builder of some of the most prolific engineering projects worldwide. Avino's shares are listed on the NYC. YSE as MKT and the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol ASM if you want a silver lining in your portfolio think Avino two hundred million dollars
1: Now, back to our program.
2: Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me Amir Adnani. Amir has been with us uh, several times in the past, but for those of you who may not know him, uh, he is the chairman and director and founder of Brazil Resources, and uh, since 2005, he has served as chief executive officer, president, and director of Uranium Energy Corp. That's a New York Stock Exchange, AMAX-listed company uh, that he also uh, co-founded. Well, under his leadership, Uranium Energy Corp. has become one of North America's newest uranium-producing companies. Uh, and uh, he is, Amir is highly regarded in the junior resource sector. Doug Casey, who was on the show a few weeks ago, uh, has, has talked very highly of Amir, has him listed as one of his top 10 CEOs in the junior sector. Well, we're going to be talking to Amir about uranium energy, but today we want to talk to him about Brazil resources. He want us to, we want him to tell us a story. To, trades on Toronto under the symbol BRI. Uh, you can buy it in the U.S. as I have under the symbol BRIZF. 96.3 million shares outstanding at $1.40 earlier today in U.S. money. Uh, gives it a market cap around $135 million. Thanks for joining me, Amir? Hi, hi, Jay. Thanks for having me on the show. Really good to talk to you. Always good to hear what you're up to. BRI, that is Brazil Resources, a symbol BRI, has increased its total resource base to over 13 million ounces of gold. I mean, very impressive number of ounces in the ground with the acquisition of the Whistler Gold Project up in Alaska. When did you acquire Whistler and what has BRI done with the project since that acquisition?
3: Jay, you got to just uh, kind of just go back in time and picture what was going on last July or August, right? So if you think about it, we had the Greek crisis. We had July and August, incredible pressure, downward pressure on the price of gold. And I remember talking to folks and people talking about how we're, we're going to see $900 gold, right? That's the yeah. environment we were, we were in. You look mm-hmm. at the TSX Venture Composite Index, it was uh, just getting killed, red everywhere, and it's in that context last July that we announced uh, the acquisition of the Whistler Gold District. Looking back in hindsight, I mean, it uh, it, it really looks like we, we picked a low. At the time, we had no idea. Frankly, we had uh, some hesitation and doubt as to, you know, expanding and picking up even more assets. But we stayed uh, quite true to our theme. And the theme was that at the bottom of the gold cycle was going to be uh, or what seemed like the potential bottom of the cycle, of course, uh, this is in hindsight now, that these were the best times to acquire projects like Whistler. A project like Whistler, which is really a district, had over $50 million uh, of work done, 70,000 meters of drilling. And, and I mean, you're picking up these things at the bottom of the cycle for cents mm-hmm. on the dollar. And so to, to appreciate this acquisition, it, it's important to appreciate how bloody the market was Last summer, and in that context, uh, acquiring something of, of, of this size, and, and since then, adding to it, you know, modeling the, the drilling that was done that hadn't been modeled yet into a compliant and independently verified resource report, what we call 43101 resource reports, and, you know, we don't call them that, the commission calls it that, but anyways, um, really adding value to these
2: as well. Well, you know, I remember sitting in the office with you up there in Vancouver, I think about this time last year, Amir, and, you know, as you say, it was just blood in the streets and essentially you were saying, I don't mind this, I rather like this. And, and one of the reasons, I think, is because you have a partnership with Brazil's most influential in- investment group. You've really aligned yourself with people with deep pockets, people that have the ability uh, to, and the financial resources to allow you to take advantage of this kind of a market. Now, uh, gold exploration in Brazil is heating up as well. Um, Ross Beattie's new venture in Para State, uh, Brazil, which is where you're operating, uh, he's there. Uh, You've got a lot of activity down there. Agneagle Eagle is there. You've got uh, Eldorado Gold. Uh, what is there about the Para State in Brazil that is so attractive to the gold mining sector, Amir? You know what's happening here, uh, Jay, is that
3: historically, Para State in the north has been the largest in this particular area that we're in where all these projects and companies you mentioned are in uh the uh the area is the largest alluvial gold mining region in Brazil the third largest in the world something upwards of 30 million ounces of gold has been mined uh, from uh mom and pop operations uh, mining the, the the very kind of rich uh uh, saprolite or soft rock uh, mm-hmm. uh, without really any heavy equipment or drilling or modern exploration techniques to drill deeper to find the source of this gold. So it's an area that is uh, uh, clearly uh, endowed and very, very rich in uh, in, gold, uh, in gold mineralization, very lightly explored. Uh, and historically, this area has had poor infrastructure. And because it's actually one of the poorest states in all of Brazil, the, com- the, the Government has poured uh, quite a bit of investment into improving infrastructure, building highways, bringing in power lines, and so now you actually have uh, a paved highway connecting basically central Brazil through Para State all the way to the north with power line uh, our main project there, the sao George project has uh, basically sits two kilometers away from this paved highway and with the power line coming right onto the property so It's incredible what's happened, Jay, and the reason why there's all this interest around this state and this area is the combination of factors, combination of how uh, lightly explored it has been with modern exploration techniques, but a very proven and substantial history of artisanal gold miners, um, and to some extent, they're still active today, uh, coupled with this new investment made by the government in infrastructure, and lastly, This uh, devaluation with the Brazilian real, their currency, has devalued almost to an all-time low to the U.S. dollar. So it's become so much cheaper to do business in Brazil. Assets are cheaper. It's cheaper to hire people, to acquire things. And that's why you're seeing smart money really come in and, and grab various pieces and try to be involved in this area and in Brazil at this time.
2: Yeah, and you got the poss the uh, possibility. Then I guess what you're looking for is the mother load of that, all that alluvial placer gold that's been. So if if you there's the potential, then I suppose for finding something very significant because you don't have companies like Neagle Eagle and some of those big guys going in there unless they think there's something fairly significant of the potential to find something there, right?
3: There's really big potential here. Again, it's uh, it, it, it really is it's, it's top. Uh, it's one of the uh, biggest and uh, most significant uh, areas for artisanal mining in the world. And uh, and uh, that's uh, that's the reason it's drawing the attention of uh, some very noteworthy people in the gold business. And you look at even our project, the Sao George project in this area, 55,000 hectares. You know, only 10% of the project has been explored so far. Uh, but already just been the 10% explored, uh, that's where we've established uh, the 43101 resource that we have on the project, uh, you know, in the uh, inferred and indicated categories, we've got 700,000 ounces in the indicated, a million ounces in the inferred. Uh, very good grades: uh, one and a half gram per ton in the indicated, and 1.1 gram per ton in the inferred. Uh, all uh, basically a, a surface uh, type of resource that would, in the future, be a target for open pit mining. Uh, and again, uh, this is uh, yeah, this still has so much exploration upside. Uh, and uh, really pleased to see that uh, our dollars go so much further down there now, Jay. You know, it used mm-hmm. to be one U.S. dollar got you two Brazilian reals. Now, one U.S. dollar practically gets you almost four Brazilian reals. Wow. You also, again, are really benefiting from the currency devaluation.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a really exciting. And uh, you, you, so you, you have a pretty aggressive drill program, I suppose, going on down there that investors can keep their eyes on drill results, uh, Amir, coming forward in the next several months?
3: Well, you know, we haven't uh, we haven't launched uh, a drill program just yet, mainly because, again, we were busy coming on the heels of the Whistler uh, district yes. acquisition and really assembling uh, our forty three one hundred one resource base and portfolio. And we're just coming off of that. We had uh, two separate forty three one oh one reports that were issued over the last two months, and so as we as we look ahead for the balance of this year on our gold portfolio, we really want to de-risk our gold projects, uh, particularly the ones in Brazil, through additional permitting work. And and what we see is that projects that are able to show both the combination of existing resource and upside, but that can also show that they can be permitted, uh, really become more valuable in the marketplace. And we feel right now it will be less expensive and also more value-add to uh, do some additional environmental work, permitting work, and in fact, we've submitted an application for our Saint George project to become a mining concession from exploration. And so, this type of work will be uh, valuable in our mind. We're continuing to keep an eye on other gold acquisitions we can make Jay, because uh, we really feel that the window is still open. We've had a great mm-hmm. run here for gold, but uh, you know, this we're still in the early stages, in our opinion, and there still are some. Uh, Very interesting acquisition targets, and we want to keep building that gold resource where we can pick up projects for, again, cents on the dollar when you consider what amount of work was done there before, the replacement value of prior exploration work.
2: Now, you have uh, something like 13 million gold equivalent ounces, all told. Uh, The big increase, of course, came with the Whistler acquisition. Do you plan to do some things with Whistler, Uh, some exploration up there? Amir? Yeah, same thing.
3: Again, uh, the, the work that was just wrapped up with these new reports that we put out, Jay, uh, uh, there's uh, definitely some very good recommended work program that we're uh, assessing right now. Uh, there definitely is. Uh, there's some six different targets in addition to the three resources that have been defined on this area. It's, uh, it's a 170-square-kilometer area, Jay. So wow. It's, uh, it's a whole district. I mean, the size is uh, truly remarkable, and we own the whole thing. Uh, So there's uh, definitely uh, some targets for follow-up. There's definitely some opportunities to do follow-up drilling on um, uh, the resources that have been established that could uh, increase the existing resources. Uh, And so uh, we really have uh, uh, some some really important and valuable uh, follow-up work that could be done at Whistler.
2: Well, that's good, and also keeping some powder dry so you can uh, pick up some more good assets as well. You know, Amir, you picked up some good assets down there in Brazil, another company that fell upon hard times. You acquired them, uh, and that's part of the portfolio that you have down there. But you also picked up a uranium uh, deposit, not deposit, but a uranium play, a very interesting one in the Athabasca region, the western end of the Athabasca basin. Can you talk about that a bit?
3: Yeah, and this was a great deal of serendipity, Jay, as, as you know. This uh, this is a situation where we acquired uh, a company with gold assets that we very much liked uh, in uh, in Brazil, and uh, this company um, had a non-core uh, project or property which happened to be a uranium property of all things. And uh, at the time in 2013, you know, it uh, it, it was uh, uh, the project is situated in Western Athabasca Basin of Canada, and at the time there was. Uh, some Some emerging interest in this area, uh, and boy, in the last uh, three years, this area there's just been so much uh, uh, momentum, some additional number of discoveries that have been made, two or three different companies uh, that now have a combined market cap of over a billion dollars wow. in this area. I think the combined market cap of companies in this area in two thousand and thirteen would have been you know a fraction of that, maybe maybe a couple of hundred million at most, and so there's been uh, some incredible amount of interest some uh, serious investments that have been made by sovereign companies uh, out of China China General Nuclear uh, some recent investments announced last week and so we're we're situated in in an area where uh, again there's been uh, some some important discoveries being made high grade uh, and uh, some of the highest grades in the world in fact uh, some people uh, describe this area as having the same uh, potential significance to the uranium business as you know, the Persian Gulf has to the oil business. No, so, a uh, some very compelling situation. And our our partner here is a French multinational, basically one of the biggest nuclear companies in the world. Arriva owns 25% of our property. Yeah. Oh, that's that's very 75%. impressive. Uh, Amir,
2: we're going to have to leave it go at that because we're out of time. But Arriva and its Brazil resources, folks, be sure to, to follow up. Uh, go to the website and, uh, and check it out. Uh, we'll be talking to Amir from time to time, and I'll pass on information to you as it becomes available. Thank you so much, Amir, for being with us today. I uh, look forward to doing it again sometime soon. Thank you, Jay. That was great. Thank you very much. Well, folks, uh, don't go away because coming up next, uh, we're going to be talking to Jeff Berwick. Uh, Jeff will have some very interesting things to say about Bitcoin and uh, his travels Uh, to Germany. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Jeff Berwick.
0: Avino Silver and Gold Mines is a diversified low cost producer with operations in Mexico and Canada. Avino is growth oriented and recently completed a major expansion at its Mexican operation, which doubled its silver equivalent output in 2015. Avino is partnered with Samsung CT and is now an official metal supplier to one of the world's largest manufacturers of consumer electronics and builder of some of the most prolific engineering projects worldwide. Avino's shares are listed on the Inland. YSE as MKT and the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol ASM. If you want a silver lining in your portfolio, think Avino.
4: Tri Metals Mining is a growth-focused mineral exploration company creating value through the exploration and development of its 100% owned near-surface Gold Springs Gold Silver Project in mining-friendly Nevada and Utah. TriMetals has only drilled less than 10% of the gold targets at Gold Springs, and it already has a robust preliminary economic assessment. TriMetals believes there is a significant potential to increase the gold mineral resource through further drilling. TriMetals shares are listed on the OTCQX and the TSX under symbols TMIAF and TMI, respectively.
2: Welcome back to Turning Hard Times Into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really happy to have with me, once again, Jeff Berwick. Jeff really has a storied past. He made a lot of money in the dot-com bubble and then saw a good part of it, if not most of it, disappear almost out of thin air. Jeff then took a, a year or so off to travel around the world uh, and to reflect on what happened and you know what life is really all about. And well, he really began questioning how the market could appear to be so strong at one point in time and then worth so little moments later. I mean, it was so almost uh, those of us who live through that period of time remember how cataclysmic and how suddenly wealth or what we thought was wealth just simply disappeared. Well Jeff discovered that Austrian economics had the answers or at least most of them or many of the answers to his questions back then. But alas the people running our country or any country for that matter unfortunately think and act like more like parasites than concerned citizens. They they, they seek to empower and enrich themselves at the expense of the masses and Jeff is quick to point out that these people like those who set up the Federal Reserve Bank and who orchestrated the past two world wars and continue to orchestrate wars are or continuing to engage in all manner of diabolical behavior that is now threatening to take all of us, what is left at least of our liberties, take all of our liberties away from us. The, the liberties that our founding fathers thought they were giving us, I, Jeff may have an idea that perhaps the idea of any government uh, is is probably not going to work out too well, but at least I believe the founding fathers had the intention and understood that um, a powerful government is takes away the liberties of people. Well, Jeff and some other truth seekers uh, will be traveling To the next Bilderberg conference in Germany to do what they can to expose the evil these rich and powerful tycoons are perpetrating on on the masses of humanity. He will be going over the, the next over there to Germany in the next few weeks and uh, so I really wanted to talk to him before he before he leaves to get his insights in front of you uh, before that time period specifically. I want to talk to Jeff about two articles that he's recently written that really caught my eye. The first uh, is about the sudden rise in the price of Bitcoin. His Bitcoin is uh, a topic that Jeff knows a whole lot about and we've seen a tremendous move some 25% over the last week in fact for Bitcoin's so want to ask Jeff about that. And the second article that he wrote about recently that I really want to talk to him about is titled, Billionaire Gross, Jubilee Debt Relief as Prelude to the New Global Economic Order. So these are two, I think, very important issues, very important topics. Uh, before we get started, let me tell you that um, that you should go to dollarvigilante.com, dollarvigilante.com to avail yourself to a steady diet of truthful, fascinating, truthful, and I would say very fascinating articles, <clears throat> excuse me, as Jeff seeks the, uh, the truth. He really is a truth seeker, and that's one of the things I really love about him. So, Jeff, I'm really glad you could be with us today.
5: Thank you, Jay. Always a pleasure to be on with you.
2: Always fun to have you, um, and enjoyable to have you. Not just fun, but enjoyable. <clears throat> as you point out uh, in your article on Bitcoin, Bitcoin has risen by more than 25% in just the last week, I think from $430 to, four, to 545 or something like that. And I saw an article in Zero Hedge recently suggesting that this rise was due to Chinese people seeking to get their wealth out of China as the People's Bank of China is once again in the process of a fairly aggressive devaluation of the yuan. Does that sound right to you?
5: It uh, definitely could be. Uh, it's, uh, of course, impossible to tell in any market exactly what's driving things, but sure. uh, definitely in the last week something has changed. Uh, Bitcoin was very steady around 4 30 to $450 for months, uh, which is uh, fairly unusual for Bitcoin, although it has become more and more normal. It's become less volatile over time, as I said it would, as it mm-hmm. becomes more and more used. Uh, but then in the last week, it's just been gap up after gap up every single day of the week, and it's up 25% now, as you pointed out. It was around $430 uh, just a week ago, about eight days ago, and now it's, it just went over $545. I think it's down a little bit now. Uh, so something has definitely uh, happened. I've uh, I've been saying actually since last summer that there's going there's so many reasons why Bitcoin will go up. Uh, you really don't you can't just pick uh, any one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Bitcoin's acceptance has just grown dramatically. I've been in Bitcoin since 2011 at three dollars, and I told our subscribers to get into it then. And uh, for a few years it was pretty quiet. A few people knew about it. There was a few exchanges where you could kind of trade it. Uh, last year in 2015 more than $1 billion was invested into Bitcoin and, and blockchain related companies hmm. uh, just last year alone. That's a massive amount and it's not just small companies investing, it's, it's companies like NASDAQ and the New York Stock Exchange and all kinds of very large investors because they're, they're starting to wake up and realize that Bitcoin is changing the game. It will change the game. It already has changed the game and they need to catch up. It's very similar to how the internet was in 1994. Uh, I remember that. I was around for that and I was telling people this is going to change the world. Everyone thought I was crazy. And then by a few years later, by 1997, 1998, billions of dollars were being put into these Internet companies. And and you mentioned uh, earlier how a lot of that was lost a few years later because of these uh, bubbles that are created by the uh, central banks. But uh, uh, we all know now the Internet has become a massive part of everyone's lives. It's changed the world, and no one can dispute that. And I think Bitcoin is in the process of doing that as well. Bitcoin is the most important thing to happen since the internet in my opinion uh, because it changes the world of money and banking it, could, it has the potential to get rid of to totally make obsolete central banks and the banks that we have today and even governments uh, so that's why I like it so much so there's any number of reasons it, c- it could have gone up uh, definitely China could be one China has very uh, hard capital controls Uh, uh, Many Chinese have been making a lot of money because they've allowed a little bit of freedom over the last uh, decade or two there, uh, which has resulted in massive massive cities being built in in days, really. That's what happens when freedom happens. Uh, When you let the market happen, people make uh, incredible amounts of wealth, and that's what's happened in China. But the Chinese government doesn't let you take that wealth outside of the country unless you know somebody and pay off somebody in the government, just like everywhere else, essentially. And so many Chinese, being quite smart Chinese in general, or quite entrepreneurial and smart, I have uh, gravitated towards Bitcoin, realizing that's one way that they can get their wealth outside of
2: the system. Very interesting. Well, Jeff, I know in your article that you wrote uh, going back here a couple of days ago, uh, you talked about three other, three main reasons, I guess, three major reasons why you thought Bitcoin and blockchain are are really looking very, very positive. First of all, explain to us uh, blockchain. What is that and how does that differ from Bitcoin?
5: Sure. Uh, they're, they're very tied together. You can't have Bitcoin without the blockchain. So for uh-huh. people who don't know what it is, essentially Bitcoin is based on something called the blockchain. And the blockchain is essentially an accounting system that uh, essentially <laughs> knows exactly uh, where every single Bitcoin in the world is. It, it, it's uh, all uh, accounted for. So you can actually see every single transaction since the beginning of bitcoin you can see that and for that reason some people don't like bitcoin they say oh it's it's too easy for the government to track and that's a whole other topic that we can go into how you can quite easily uh hide what you're doing Uh, but every single transaction is actually tracked and that's on something called the blockchain and that blockchain is not on one set of servers so it's not like amazon.com or something else like that where uh, it's all on their servers it's actually on thousands and thousands of computers around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is every Bitcoin miner and every, everyone who has Bitcoin on their computer is actually uh, 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 part of the blockchain. They actually hold p- the, the information on the blockchain. So that's why Bitcoin can't be shut down uh, or the blockchain can't be shut down unless they turn off the internet or turn off the power. And that's mm-hmm. actually something governments are considering now with things like the internet kill switch because it's getting too out of control. Uh, there's too much freedom happening thanks to the internet. And uh, John Kerry said this little thing called the internet is making it hard to govern. Uh, so they are actually considering that. Uh, But uh, unless they do, and until they do, uh, you cannot shut down Bitcoin. There is no Bitcoin office. There's no Bitcoin CEO. The blockchain doesn't exist anywhere. This is the beautiful thing. And if you think about it, Jay, 15 years ago, uh, uh, all these companies didn't even exist. So Bitcoin didn't exist. Now, uh, where is Bitcoin? It's nowhere, really. Uh, The biggest uh, hotel company in the world is Airbnb. Where are they? They own no hotels. Uh, The biggest taxi company in the world is Uber. They own no taxis. This is the uh, revolution that's going on. And now it's going to the next level which is decentralized, which is all uh, essentially what you could call blockchain technology, a way of making it so that this information is not in one uh, place so it can't Mm -hmm. be shut down by anyone. And so that's what actually uh, makes Bitcoin operate. And that's actually behind every cryptocurrency except for the government created cryptocurrencies, which they're trying to create now. Uh, But uh, every other cryptocurrency is based on something which is uh, similar to uh, blockchain, which can't be shut down. And that's what makes it so exciting. There is no point of failure. There is no way one government can tax Or regulate or shut it down or arrest the CEO. There is no CEO. There is no Bitcoin office. Uh, And so that's what's so exciting about uh, the entire uh, Bitcoin and blockchain and cryptocurrency space.
2: Well, it really is fascinating. I want to ask you a little bit about the potential for the establishment to gain control of it. And uh, uh, you're you're suggesting that's not possible, but you're also suggesting they're trying to set up their own uh, cryptocurrency. System which would allow them then to control things. But before I ask you, well, well let's just go into that now. So I think it, uh, and then I want to ask you a little bit more about some of the big picture reasons why. Uh, economic reasons uh, why you believe that Bitcoin, its future is, is very bright going ahead. But but let's talk a little bit about, I think Goldman Sachs is sort of championing Bitcoin in a way. And I and I get very, very leery of Goldman Sachs uh, championing anything. It, it seems to me kind of frightening. But do you see that, is there some potential? That it, would they try to shut down the internet or shut down the system, as you say, and then reestablish their own so that they have control of it? Is that what might be, uh, what they may be think, planning to do?
5: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's getting to the point now where they're starting to lose control, and Bitcoin, like I said, could make uh, central banks obsolete, and once you make central banks obsolete, you essentially make governments nearly obsolete. Uh, Governments really can't exist without these central banks today. They can't uh, exist in their current form anyway. You can't have any wars Mm -hmm. without central banks, uh, because they print the money. The the, uh, hidden tax of inflation is how all these things are funded. So they're they're very, very concerned. It took them a few years. I was waiting for them to realize (laughs) that this is uh, going to take them down uh, and it was around 2011 they didn't seem to realize it. 2012, not so much. 13, they started to realize and they said they're going to regulate it and then they realized, wait, you can't really regulate it. It doesn't really exist anywhere. Uh, so now that the, the latest thing is they're trying to invest in lots of different companies and try to take over the space uh, but they still don't realize you can't actually control Bitcoin. So uh, no, there is no risk that they can really take over Bitcoin. Uh, there's, It's not possible really. There is certain ways that it can kind of be manipulated Manipulate it, for sure. You can always manipulate things. Uh, but even if, for example, here's one scenario. Let's say the Federal Reserve and the people who run it, not Janet Yellen. She's just a teleprompter reader like Barack sure. Obama, of course. But sure. uh, the people who run it, they say, okay, we want to take out Bitcoin any way we can. Let's let's buy up every Bitcoin in the world so that we can just get rid of it somehow. Uh, so they do that, right? Because they have a, a money printing machine so they can mm-hmm. print up trillions of dollars. So why sure. not buy every Bitcoin? So if the Federal Reserve were to do that, so they print up, let's say let's say they start with a trillion. The current market cap of Bitcoins in the, in the billions, it's like 20 billion or something around that level right now. So let's say they bit, print up a trillion dollars with the intention to buy all the Bitcoins. Uh, as soon as they started to buy a few billion dollars worth of Bitcoins, the Bitcoin price would go up uh, hundreds of percent. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, the, uh, people would start to realize what's going on. Uh, they'd start to try to buy more, I'd make Bitcoin go up thousands of percent, then more people would start buying Bitcoin, as you know, Jay, with sure. the, uh, the stock market. Everyone gets excited when things are going up. right? Uh, before you know it, Bitcoin would be well over a million dollars of Bitcoin, and there'd still be a lot of people who wouldn't sell, uh, mm-hmm. because a lot of the people who uh, really love Bitcoin, including myself, uh, we love it way beyond any monetary value. We mm-hmm. love it because it, it makes humanity more free, and it's actually sure. a more solid form of money. So many of us would never sell, but even if, it, let's say they may move it to $10 million or million, million dollars of bitcoin i might sell at that point and then we might just move to another cryptocurrency (laughs) we just go okay we're all trillionaires now Uh, let's we're not gonna use bitcoin anymore because they own it all let's use uh, ethereum or litecoin or any of the thousands of other cryptocurrencies out there so they can't control it uh no matter what they do unless like we said they they turn off the power of the internet which is a something they're very seriously considering
2: i want to ask you about your your plan to travel here to Germany next week to um, uh, to visit or to try to get as close as possible to the Bilderberg people because these would be the people that would be secretly planning. They have these meetings that they don't allow anybody anywhere near and the people that are there, uh, some of the large household name people, presidents and, and central bankers and, uh, and also people that we know, anchors to the major media are sworn to secrecy, are not allowed to talk about anything that goes on there. I want to ask you about that but let, let's get back to this issue of one are the major reasons you you offered three major reasons and then a fourth that was a very interesting one why you think that Bitcoin why you're so bullish on Bitcoin there are three major trends that you that you pointed out in your article and I would suggest that people should go to uh, to to your website and and read those articles but but talk to us about those three major trends
5: sure absolutely the uh, these are trends that I, I said a year ago uh, were why I think Bitcoin uh, will definitely rise over the over the future uh, the first one is the Bitcoin and blockchain are the future of money and banking we already talked about that about how this is really a revolution Uh, so uh, the second one is capital control crackdowns bank bail-ins and worldwide taxation schemes uh, will drive bitcoin growth Uh, that's actually related to the uh, Chinese issue Uh, this is something I pointed out of course we've been following things like FACA the Foreign Account Tax Compliance Act in the US which has made it almost impossible for Americans to get their money outside of the US it's Mm getting very difficult it's actually a form of nefarious capital controls they're putting those into place all around the place and even the Panama Papers that recently uh, were put out, those were put out by the CIA uh, with the intention to try to shut down anyone doing any sort of uh, banking in offshore jur- jurisdictions. So we've been expecting this. We've known this is coming. coming. And so I've said in the past that as this happens more and more, people will start to wake up and they'll start to realize like the Chinese, I better get some of my assets into Bitcoin where they can't confiscate it or, or seize it or control it or put capital controls on it. So that's uh, another major uh, uh, shift going on in the world and I expect that to continue and as it continues people will gravitate to things like cryptocurrencies and then the third uh, big reason was the uh, coming debt jubilee uh, will obviously create a massive amount of uh, craziness and crisis and uh, of course um, so many people have been coming out now George Soros Carl Icahn um, uh, Jim Rogers Stanley Druckenmiller and just Alan Greenspan just yesterday all all come out and said that we're on the verge of a massive biblical level collapse crisis, uh, and I agree with them. And actually, mm-hmm. some of them are actually involved in planning it, including Soros, <laughs> so they would know. Uh, so uh, this we're on the verge of a massive crisis. Uh, this is being admitted to by all those people and, and many others, including myself. I was one of the first to really be outspoken about it last summer, uh, and we almost had the major crack-up cra- uh, crash last summer uh, in August when the Dow was down more than 1,000 points in the third quarter of last year was the uh, biggest drop in, in worldwide stock markets since 2000 uh, since the last crisis. Uh, so we we're, we are already began, in my opinion. And as that continues, of course, we're going to see uh, currencies collapse, we're going to see banks collapse, we're going to see countries collapse. Uh, this is uh, uh, something that even uh, Walt uh, William White of the Bank of International Settlements, he said this a few months ago, he said, this is a debt jubilee. And he actually said, this has been going on for 5,000 years, since the Sumerians. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of very uh, biblical, very occult things uh, about this, but all the elites know about it, even Christine Lagarde did her speech on the magic number seven. It's all tied to the number seven, which is something to do with the Shemitah. And uh, this year is actually called the Jubilee, which is supposed to be a year where you, uh, wash away all debts, but, uh, they don't intend to necessarily wash away debts. Uh, they intend to, uh, collapse the entire system of debt and then create a new, uh, monetary, uh, uh, new world order. Uh, so as that happens, uh, of course, we're going to see currencies collapse. The yen, it was actually, um, who was it? It came out just two days ago. Oh, uh, uh Bill Gross, Bill Gross, yeah, uh, Pimco came out and said Japan has to. Uh, uh, uh basically renege on their debt. They have to go through a bankruptcy. Uh, I've agreed with that. I've agreed with that for a couple of years. uh, And now he's saying it. Japan will probably be one of the first to fall. So we could see the yen just wiped off the map in the next couple of months. We could see the euro wiped off the map. The eurozone is so on the brink. Everyone's saying it, but no one's really uh, saying it with conviction, like this will happen for sure. But this is going to happen for sure. The eurozone's going to collapse. Uh, The euro might not even exist a few years from now or even a few months from now. Uh, so as that happens, of course, the price of Bitcoin is going to rise dramatically. Now, uh, what level it goes to, who knows? If the dollar, if the U.S. dollar goes to zero, which it could in the next couple of years, this is what we're talking about here, uh, then Bitcoin would be worth a trillion dollars. But a, a million dollars wouldn't buy you a Big Mac at McDonald's. So uh, we're, we're in crazy times here right now. But that's one of the uh, main reasons why I also think Bitcoin will do very well.
2: What about gold then, Jeff? What about gold and silver? And another uh, we've had on this show we've had uh, the CEO, um, the COO of Gold Money, which is now uh, Bit Gold. Bit Gold, Gold Money, and Bit Gold merged, as I'm sure you're aware. What are your thoughts about about that? It's an out of the banking system. It's outside of the banking system, which we all know, as you've just talked about. It's 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 in big trouble. But the whole global economy is in big trouble. Why not have something something like a Bit Gold that has has actual gold attached to it.
5: Oh, absolutely. Everything I just said about Bitcoin applies to gold and silver. Uh, I'm just as bullish on gold and silver as I am on Bitcoin for the exact same reasons. Uh, In fact, Bitcoin was sort of modeled after gold and silver. That's why you have to mine Bitcoin. It was essentially a way of making a digital gold and silver, uh, which is uh, very interesting because we live in very digital times, so it makes a lot of sense. But absolutely, at the Dollar Vigilante, we actually recommend the great majority of your assets be in precious metals, uh, not in Bitcoin. Bitcoin's too new and speculative. Unless you're, you're a risk taker, I wouldn't put more than 5 or 10% of your net worth into mm-hmm. Bitcoin. It, it could go to zero. Who knows? Uh, it's, it's only seven years old now. Uh, but it also could go to a million dollars. So it's, it's that kind of risk and reward. Whereas gold and silver are not anywhere near that kind of risk and reward. Uh, it won't have their reward on the upside. Gold won't go to a, a million dollars an ounce, I don't think, uh, unless the dollar is, goes to zero. Uh, but uh, Bitcoin really could. In, in real terms, it actually could but gold won't go to zero either it, it, gold and silver uh, are uh, monetary metals that have been throughout human history, uh, even the children know, you just get them a gold or silver coin and their eyes light up there's something <laughs> about it, it's something ingrained in our DNA or perhaps some sort of, and maybe from God it's God's money, I, I don't really know exactly, I leave that up to you guys to decide uh, but uh, I, I just know it has value and it's actually been the best way to survive these sort of crises throughout human history and uh, if you look at what every everyone else is doing, including all those people I just named, including George Soros and Jim Rogers and Stanley Druckenmiller, they're all buying gold right now. So uh, I agree with that. Uh, gold and silver will uh, d- uh, have the same reason for doing incredibly well over the coming years as this crisis continues as Bitcoin. And uh, as far as digital sort of things like Bit Gold and having gold in different countries, I think that's very important. Uh, it's not like the U.S., the land of the free, didn't confiscate gold in 1933. They did during the last time they went through a fairly Major crisis like this, mm-hmm. uh, so to keep all your precious metals in one country is uh, putting a lot of political risk on yourself. Uh, you should internationalize divert, and internationalize and diversify your precious metals. And it's not, actually never been easier than today. You brought up gold money and big gold. Uh, James Turk is a good mutual friend of both of ours, who from Gold Money and they have vaults in Singapore and London and all over the place, mm-hmm. uh, Dubai. Uh, so you can uh, very easily from your own home uh, just wire some money to Gold Money, and I'm not saying just. Gold money, I would actually diversify amongst all those. There's so much risk involved with all these things. uh, that uh, It was actually Richard Russell, uh, who passed away recently of the Dow Theory Letters, uh, just amazing. He actually started the financial newsletter business, really. Uh, He said just a year or two ago that uh, the person who loses the least in this coming collapse is going to win. and uh, That's, I think, generally the case. I don't think we should be looking to become uh, very wealthy during this collapse, although it is very possible if you're very smart, you could. But really, it's just trying to hang on to what you have. This is
2: going to wipe out almost everybody in this collapse. Yeah, and unfortunately, I have to agree with you on that. Um, well, certainly, you know, one of the issues that troubles me a little bit about BitGold is the the fact that it is so so establishment. It seems um, the Soros brothers, for example, are are big investors in it. Um, the large investment houses of of, um, of Canada are all. Big investors—they have deep pockets. They have no problem raising money. Uh, but then, on the other hand, perhaps what it's telling us is the establishment is is preparing and, and getting ready themselves to uh, to protect themselves because they know that the very system that they've been involved in. Uh, setting up is on the verge of collapse, and so there probably it might make some sense to pay some attention to what these folks are doing. As you mentioned, uh, Druckenmiller and Rogers and uh, and Soros and these fellows, uh, Bill Gross, for goodness sakes. I mean, as you point out, and I would suggest to my listeners again, uh, go to Dollar Vigilante and read the the article that uh, that Jeff wrote about Bill Gross and uh, the the Jubilee. A very fascinating article, but again, uh, a sinister side there. Of course, it's not as if uh, it's not as if these landlords of the world are going to say oh we're sorry about all that and we're going to make amends to you we're going to make sure that the world is uh, that all you people who have been hurt badly by our system are going to be taken care of and I don't think they're really saying that are they Jeff?
5: <laughs> no, absolutely not they're going they're- to make it way worse uh, they have a, it's really uh, crazy their plan uh, uh, they essentially want to create a one world government uh, right. you can see that that's that been put in place now for decades You can, that's just obvious if, if people can't uh, if they've looked into it and they don't see that it's happening, they're they're not looking very hard. That's just obvious. They actually say it very outspokenly. Uh, And it was actually Greenspan just came out yesterday and said what's happening in Venezuela is going to happen next in the U.S. And that's actually exactly what I said last week. So it's starting to freak me out that these guys, uh, Soros and Greenspan, are all starting to say the things that I'm saying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, uh, But they should know because uh, they actually are more tied into this network of what's actually going on. So they know it's going to happen because they've been a part of a group that has been making it happen and the plan is to make it happen and make things so bad that people clamor for a one world government uh, and so they know it's going to happen but it, now they're actually doing the same things that I'm doing which is actually very concerning so you, you pointed out Big Gold, uh, George Soros is investing in it and George Soros is now big into gold and I'm like, oh it feels so creepy to be doing the same things as him but I'm doing them because I know that this is going to happen because I've done decades of research on this uh, he's doing it because it, he, he knows it's going to happen because he's actually been making it happen. he It's actually a plan they want to right. do. Uh, so now we're both doing the same things and it's kind of uh, creepy. But yeah, no, this is going to be really uh, crazy bad. Uh, people need to wake up. Uh, there's not much time left to, to wake up. Uh, people for whatever reason just don't want to think that there might be these people who have very uh, sinister intentions controlling the world. But if you even just look into it, spend a couple of hours on YouTube and do a, f- a little bit of research, uh, that is actually the case and uh, the sooner that we can wake up to it and realize it the more that we can actually affect change and get rid of these uh, systems and these people uh, but if we just avoid it and if everyone just uh, doesn't want to look at it until it's too late uh, we're all going to have to go through very hard times together and maybe that's why you called your show what you did jay
2: uh, turning hard times and good times you want to try to do that but you know you mentioned the uh, the internet a lot of people especially older folks are, are leery of getting too much information from the internet but i would say if you if that bothers you there's a lot of other great. Sources too. We've had, of course, uh, G. Edward Griffin on this show, the very first show we ran back in 2009. Um, the um, the creature from Jekyll Island, his his book that is extremely well documented, telling you who really owns America, who is uh, owns the Anglo-American Empire, which is now trying to uh, to take over China and Russia and the rest of the world. As Jeff points out, the one world government. William Angdahl, who's on this show frequently, wrote the Gods of Money. If you really want to look at the American history, all the way back to the time that the British were out of the United States, uh, the bankers out of London started doing everything in their power to sneak back into control and now I believe Jeff that they have basically gotten control again with the Rothschilds behind the Bank of England, uh, the uh, the Rockefellers and and various other uh, family institutions that have so much control of the Federal Reserve and the banking uh, system in the United States. We don't see anything of these people anymore. They're basically out of sight uh, but, they're, uh, but the wealth is there and in the family interest and and continuing to hold on. Uh, and they control the dialogue to a great extent, Jeff. They can. They have a lot of these think tanks. Most of these think tanks, uh, they have one way or another, they have control of the Council of Foreign Relations, the Bilderbergers, that is uh, really touches the royalty of Europe, essentially, and the royalty, uh, the nouveau riche of, uh, well, not the nouveau riche, but the old wealth of America. And going back, even, and uh, Daniel Eschlin told us here, back into the Venetian days, actually, some of them extend back that far. So it's very fascinating, of course, uh, you know, the guys that do the bad things don't want the lights turned on them. And, Jeff, I think that's what you're trying to do, as we do to a, to a certain extent on this show, to try to enlighten people as to what is really going on as opposed to what the propagandists are telling us is happening. And you're going off to um, uh, to the Bilderbergs, uh, going to get as close as you can to as many of these sinister characters as, as possible. Uh, what, what is your purpose, then, for going there? I, I suppose just to enlighten us, right, to help us to understand as much as possible what's actually happening.
5: Well, actually, I have no real purpose. And going, except for I feel drawn to go there. I feel like there's something I need to do, and I, I did that last year. But before I get into that, I just want to bring up—you brought up how some older people feel like leery of getting their information from the internet. They should feel leery of getting their information from the television program. Oh my oh, goodness, absolutely for right. Reason they are brainwashed. Um, so uh, you know, it's sort of funny when I hear that. Well, uh, you're leer. absolutely
2: right about that. But at the same time, Jeff, uh, some of us older guys—and that you know—that would be me, not you. I I like to have a hard copy that I can underline and write on and, and, and look at the footnotes and stuff. You can do all that on the Internet, too. Uh, of course, there's, you know, but it's, uh, I my sense is a lot of times, uh, you know, this is going to sound like your grandpa, probably. Kids today, kids today read headlines. Do they go deeper? Well, I know people that read your stuff go deeper, for sure, and you do, uh, so I commend you for that. Um, you, you just, yeah, in terms of, uh, maybe you wanted, I, I interrupted you on in your thoughts there in terms of going off to Germany for the Bilderbergs.
5: Yeah, well, I think you make a good point about how things are today, though, too, in that uh, people have a very short attention span, uh, because yeah. there's so much information now. We're just bombarded with information. So all I really try to do is try to keep my things short. I I try not to do long videos. I try not to do long articles. Just try to get people this information in a format that they uh, can use and and can uh, go into. But uh, you'd be surprised how many people really look into things. Uh, There's so many people that'll uh, just hear about something on your show or on my uh, uh, website, and then they'll go to Wikipedia and then they'll spend all day looking into all this stuff. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of people doing that. Uh, So there is a lot of hope that uh, Way and well, as far you, as builder yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead, Joe. Joe. Uh, as far as Bilderberg, I'd, I have no real plan. I went last year with uh, Luca Radowski of We Are Change, who's amazing, one of the best independent journalists in the world, uh, and Dan Dix of Press for Truth, also excellent journalist. And uh, Dan, this is actually Dan's tenth Bilderberg, uh, and I went with them last year. I was just curious, uh, just to see what was really going on, and it was really quite shocking. Uh, the security, the amount of secrecy around it. Uh, we were actually at the G7. Uh, in uh, Munich, Germany. And that was like a, uh, Hunger Games party in the capital party for the press. There was thousands of press from around the world. They had $10,000 bottles of champagne that they were pouring like water for the press. Uh, the press would only run off every now and then to take a picture of Angela Merkel drinking a beer or things like that. Like no real journalism. And just down the road, right after the G7, uh, two days later was the Bilderberg meeting in Austria. And we asked all the media if they knew about Bilderberg. No one had heard of it. No one seemed to care. Uh, uh, and then we went to the uh, the meeting in, in Austria, at the Bilderberg uh, uh, meeting, and we went into the hotel. We were the only people to actually get in after they already locked it down. I somehow talked my way past all the security, and there was lots and lots of armed security there. Uh, I guess I just gave off that I was uh, one of the Bilderberg people or something. I was wearing you know nice clothes and everything, and actually had my G7 badge on. I think that's what really helped us. And we got into the hotel, and the, the White House Press Corps was there. And we were shocked. We were like, the White House Press Corps is going to cover Bilderberg? And we asked them about it, and they had never heard of Bilderberg. And we said, "Well, you know, it starts tomorrow, right?" And they're like, "What is it?" And we told them, and they said, "No, we're just here for the G7." They put us in this hotel. They fly us in on helicopters to take pictures of Barack Obama, uh, and then we come back, and we're leaving tomorrow. And we said, "Well, you should stay because this is where all the decisions get decided. This is where everything happens. The G7 is just a big photo op." And one of the these are the top White House press corps people. They told us that uh, they said, "This is their, their words. We're not real journalists. We're just actors." Uh-huh. Uh, you guys are the real journalists uh, w- yeah. we get a paycheck we don 't even want to know what 's going on because right. we we don 't want to lose our jobs right. uh, and that 's what they told us so no. that 's what 's going on so i 'm going back this year just to see what it, what happens this year uh, just uh you know it 's unbelievable th- uh, what 's going on
2: well there you just nailed it uh, you, you just said why people shouldn 't pay any attention watching television, getting their news from television here 's an admission from the White House press corps that they are uh, that they 're not journalists they 're just really uh, Television, paid television personalities is all they really are. It's incredible. Jeff, uh, anything else you might want to add? Anything else uh, that you that you may be writing that people should be watching out for?
5: Uh, I would just say just go to dollarvigilante.com. Uh, if you just put your email in on the front page, we'll send you. I write an article almost every day. I've devoted myself to covering this crisis until the very end. Uh, it's all I do right now uh, and I write articles every day. Uh, check that out. If you want more information, we have a paid newsletter. Uh, it's just a few dollars a month and uh, we actually to give advice, analysis, recommendations and we've actually just done phenomenally well in the last year. We're talking thousands of percent returns on a regular basis because we know what's going on so we're ahead of the game. So we bought Bitcoin, we bought gold and silver, we bought precious metal stocks uh, which did phenomenally well in the first quarter of this year uh, and so you can get that at the newsletter and if you're interested in the whole Jubilee, Shemitah sort of angle on things, just go to surviveshemitah.com. That's Survive S-H-E-M-I-T-A-H dot com and we have our videos there where we talk about what we think is planned, uh, what has been planned, what's going on and what's uh, yet to come in this Jubilee year, which ends in October of this year.
2: Well, I want to thank you very much for all you do, Jeff. It's it's greatly appreciated. Thanks for spending the time with us. We wish you uh, safety and success in helping the world to understand who these tyrants are, the, the, the guys that are behind the throne that pose as saviors of the world. Well, God's blessings to you and your friends who travel with you, Jeff, and I hope we can catch up with you after your return from Germany, perhaps.
5: Yeah, thank you very much, Jay, and yeah, same to you. Keep up the great work. I uh, really appreciate everything you do as well. Thank you so much,
2: Jeff. Well, that is all the time that we have for this week. Next week, Rick Rule will be with us to help us know ahead of time what we should look for to know when to cash out in our gold mining share gains. We certainly have enjoyed some good gains early this year. I firmly believe that this is still the early days of the bull market in gold and gold mining shares, but we do want to be ready and on the lookout for the warning signs to cash out, take some chips off the table uh, before it's too late, so. uh, hope to see you next week. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you.
1: Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
4: Metals Mining is a growth-focused mineral exploration company creating value through the exploration and development of its 100% owned, near-surface Gold Springs Gold Silver Project in mining-friendly Nevada and Utah. TriMetals has only drilled less than 10% of the gold targets at Gold Springs, and it already has a robust preliminary economic assessment. TriMetals believes there is a significant potential to increase the gold mineral resource through further drilling. TriMetals shares are listed on the OTCQX and the TSX under symbols TMIAF and TMI, respectively.